This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Well, good morning, everybody, or good evening, wherever you may be. I'm Mike Huseum. I'm on here at the Wharton School. Uh, welcome to our series on the impact of the epidemic and all that else is going on on leadership, especially in the private sector, but not limited to it. We have a special guest today. We're going to be speaking with the chief executive of Amway, Malin Pant, and we're going to engage in a dialogue maybe for 15 minutes on my part uh, with him, and then we'll open it up uh, to your questions. Uh, the agenda here is to think about leadership when it really matters. And we have a, a person who has been leading the company when it really does matter. As chief executive of Amway, Malin Pant has been responsible for an enterprise that brings in between eight and $9 billion a year, selling all over the world in more than 100 countries, some 16,000 employees and about a million people who work with the company in selling its many products. So with uh, that, Malin, let me welcome you to the program. Thank you, Mike. It's a, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be uh, with you and having this discussion. Well, great to have you here. And I'm gonna begin a little bit more personally and then we'll bring it into the, uh, the current challenges that you have been facing with the, uh, the shutdown, the, the events in the wake of uh, uh, the, well, several movements, including Black Lives Matter. But let me begin, Malin, with a, a more personal question just to get us going on your own career. I know you grew up in the, the foothills of the Himalayas in India. You worked for Unilever, the great consumer products uh, company that uh, sells all over the world. You worked as a chief executive president for uh, Pizza Hut at Yum Brands. And just a question to get us going, what brought you in thinking very personally here to an interest in managing uh, a, a private sector company, whether it's Unilever or Amway now? Well, Mike, um, you know, thanks, thanks for that question. And as I, as I reflect on, on the journey, uh, frankly, this was, this was not part of any plan. Uh, you know, as you said, I grew up in the foothill of the Himalayas, and uh, as we were growing up, uh, on hindsight, we didn't feel it at that time, but on hindsight, um, we had modest material means. We, we didn't have air conditioning at home. I remember we got a television uh, when I was in my early teens. Uh, but our parents, you know, they had all the love for us. They they encouraged us to do the right thing, you know, study hard, work hard, and and life will kind of figure itself out. And, and that was the approach. And uh, I went through my, my schooling and my education in India, and I was quite fortunate uh, to be able to join Unilever in India, uh, which was almost like my second MBA. Um, but when I joined Unilever, I went through his training program, Mike, which you are well familiar with across functions and categories, including uh, spending eight weeks uh, living in a village in India as a part of the training program without water, uh, running water or electricity, uh, just trying to understand the heart and soul of India. After doing all that, I thought I'll get a role in, in, in perhaps strategy or marketing of one of the brands like, you know, Dove uh, or, or Sunsilk or, or Axe or, 
or one of the you know the consumer brands but you know i i moved to a business unit that made leather shoes for exports now don't ask me why unilever india anglo dutch multinational did shoes for exports but i i went to that business unit i said okay no problem you know i've never been uh, outside of india perhaps i'll get a chance to go and meet customers in london or or new york city and i still remember my general manager said no young man you got to start with the cold phase which is uh processing and buying of leather so i spent the first two years of my career after my graduate management graduate studies uh in tanneries and this is uh tanneries in india 30 years back that foul smell is still in my in my nostrils but you know it was a great great uh, career in unilever and and then i was fortunate to to have a chance to join yum um the last 10 12 years um my family and i we've lived in um over three continents and five countries if you we were living in durban south africa in in 2007 2008 we moved to delhi from delhi we moved to bangkok from bangkok to shanghai uh, from shanghai to dallas and now we live in grand rapids michigan so it's been quite a journey and not something that i would have imagined that i would have a chance to live through well in the question about that journey you began as you said living in a village it's a very famous feature of being part of a unilever where you spend time with your ultimate customers village india in the case of uh what was then called hindustan lever in india as you went from that person uh young at the time as you began to the responsibilities you now bear for everything from finance and accounting and operations and human resources and working with uh, your owners what were the or what was I'll make it singular the most formative experience along the way that gave you the capacity to serve as what we sometimes in a kind of boring phrase refer to as a general manager where you really have to think about everything so what well, was your moment well i i don't think there was one particular moment I, i think i would i would point out to a couple of learnings mike if that's okay one i think just the just the training in unilever india and the way the career was was kind of planned and and the opportunities opened up was by its nature very broad uh it was across functions and then of course um, there were opportunities to work uh, both in customer management and 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 general management sales general management on one side and and brand marketing on the other so that i think took me in good stead in my initial foundational years but there were then other other instances where one learned it uh, i guess on the job my first role as managing director of a of a country was uh, with yum in thailand um and i i i moved there it was a reasonable size business we had 10000 uh employees in thailand um and uh and the business had been it been struggling and i i went there of course with this there's a determination uh to turn around the business and um and to put all the strategies in place and 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 to to build something that would last beyond me but my biggest learning from my my time in thailand and and my time as the managing director and my first role was not so much on on strategy on an intellect was actually on leading with heart and and that's one stand especially working in thailand everything is about the heart the thais have a word for it 
called Jai. And it's all Jai. And, and my Unilever training, though, it was fantastic. Hadn't fully prepared me for this aspect of leading a large business with a large set of employees. And, and since then, I've personally been on a journey to lead with love and humility instead of uh, pride and fear, which is, which is so human to do, especially yeah. when times are tough. Melinda, a famous uh, book in my field is uh, Leading from the Heart. Uh, same point, we got to lead with the head, of course, but we don't forget uh, the heart. I've got a question then about uh, your transition from uh, serving as president of Pizza Hut over to Amway. And uh, again, a private enterprise, a private company, uh, a business enterprise, but uh, in some respects, the two could not be more different in how they operated. What was your biggest learning terrain as you came into Amway, something you didn't know about that you really had to master as you became uh, chief executive of Amway, which is not so long ago at this point? Mike, um, you know, quite, quite frankly, um, till, till two years back, or so I, I, I didn't even know, I, I couldn't even you know, point out to Grand Rapids on, on the map uh, where we now live uh, with our family. So yes, this was, this was a very, um, this was already new for us. As I, as I came into Amway, uh, I was very, very clear that my first 100 days were all about listen and learn. 90% of our revenues are outside of United States, in Japan, Korea, China, which is our largest market, Taiwan, Thailand, Malaysia, India, Europe, Russia, Latin America, and of course, here in the US. I spent an immense amount of time being out on the road uh, and meeting our entrepreneurs who are really the soul and the heart of a business. And my, my main learning, while I learned from Everyone. I even came to a, a program that you and Peter had organized uh, just before I formally took over the CNO, CEO, again, as a part of my listen and learn. But my biggest learnings uh, and the most valuable learnings were from the entrepreneurs and Amway business owners. And I still remember this was uh, within my first 100 days in March last year, and I was in Tokyo. And one of our entrepreneurs, Makiko-san, he insisted she wanted to meet me and, 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 you know, the kind of the carrot she gave me is she said, we'll all cook together and we'll cook and cook and, you know, Indian meal with basmati rice and tandoori chicken in Tokyo. I said, all right, let's do it. And she then shared with me how she is building a business going forward around a cooking, a healthy cooking community on Instagram. Ah. And she had 20,000 followers on Instagram. And I looked at her, I said, Oh my God, this is the future. The entrepreneurial spirit, which is the core of Amway, along with us being a social idea around relationships, now put together in the online world, this is the future and this is social mm -hmm. commerce. And that's where we put together our what is now our 10-year plan, which we can do in a privately uh, held family-owned company, which is our journey to unleash entrepreneurship with social commerce. But that idea came in listening to an entrepreneur in Tokyo. 
That's great, Bill. Uh, in, in about uh, two minutes, we're going to open it up. I'd like people viewing this to send their questions in now. We'll go through a few of those as they come in. Here's my final question to you. Uh, the last uh, now almost three months have been quite extraordinary in everybody's lives, whether it's Thailand or China or the U.S. of A. Uh, with coronavirus, uh, the coronavirus, uh, the Black um, Lives Matter movement, Me Too was in the background as well. And just a final question to you, as you have managed through the last couple of months, what has been different from the way you would have led the company prior to about March 15th? Well, I guess in some ways, everything has been different. Um, <laughs> uh, but here's what we realized early on, uh, Jan January 23rd to be, to, be, to be exact, because that's when, you know, from a China team, we knew, you know, there was a pandemic and, and, and the lockdowns were coming. Um, we, we prioritized uh, the safety of our colleagues over anything else. Uh, we've got 16,000 colleagues across the world. Uh, we've got organic farms, um, you know, thousands of acres, 6,000 acres of organic farms in three countries. Uh, we've got manufacturing locations in Guangzhou, Madurai, Buena Park, uh, near LA and here in, in Ada, Michigan. Uh, and we said the most important thing is we're going to do everything to keep each other safe. Um, once we had that in place, uh, every other challenge that came our way, be it you know, supply chain or figuring out how to work from home and, and all the other stuff, you know, it, it kind of started itself out. Uh, my biggest learning through these last now almost five months and, and now three months working from home uh, has been that during this pandemic, the best of Amway has been unleashed. Uh, Mike, you know, this may, this may, this may surprise you. It surely surprised me. We did an employee engagement survey bang in the middle of the pandemic. Almost 10,000 of our employees responded. You know, we usually never get a response that high uh, from an employee engagement survey. And 91% of our colleagues across the world said they were highly engaged with Amway. And 94% said they were proud of working in Amway, you know, numbers that we've never had in the past. So this pandemic has been an opportunity to go through the decades of culture that's been built in Amway, you know, uh, decades of nurturing of our purpose, helping people live better, healthier life. All that has come to the fore during these times. And, and um, that's been uh, my most fascinating learning. And, you know, our challenge and my personal challenge is how does one now kind of sustain this uh, as we move to beyond pandemic, which, which we will do across the world. And a number of our markets have already moved on to um, the, the new normal. Yep. Well, then this has been great. I'm going to bring in now Steve Guglielmi, who is the editor for Knowledge of Wharton, the platform we are on here. And Steve uh, Melinda is going to offer a couple of questions from those who are live with us right now. So, Steve, get us going. Hi, Melinda. Okay, yeah, we, have, we have a number of good questions from our audience, so we'll try to get through as many of them as we can. Well, the first one is a follow-up from what you were just talking about. Um, you talked about the tremendous opportunity that, that the crisis has, has given, given you and the company. What would you say is the biggest challenge you've faced during this crisis, and, and sort of how have you worked to overcome that? 
You know, the biggest uh, challenge uh, we face, uh, in addition to keeping our all our colleagues uh, safe, um, has been was essentially a supply chain challenge of of making sure that you know you know our our core portfolio, Steve, is to do with nutrition and health and hygiene. Uh, you know, long term immunity, long term health products, and these the demand for some of these products has spiked. Uh, and to ensure that you know across the world, you know managing uh, supply disruptions, uh, city lockdowns, uh, changing uh, regulations, um, you know obviously keeping our, our manufacturing locations open. That was that was the other big challenge. And I think the third challenge for all of us was just a personal challenge: how do we you know sustain our 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 mental uh, stamina? Uh, through weeks of uncertainty around friends and families and communities, you know, what personal habits do each of us um, inculcate uh, so that uh, we can we can get through this in a way in which, you know, it, it gives us an opportunity to be better uh, and is able to support our, our own families and our own friends and our own communities. And one of the things we realized very early in the in the in the pandemic um, here in West Michigan, is I got a call from the CEO of one of the largest hospital networks here, saying, um, "Melon, do you all do you all make hand sanitizers?" This was middle of March. I said, "No, we don't." Uh, and then I checked with my team, and they said, "Yeah, we don't, but you know what? Maybe we can figure it out." And in five days from that call, we had made hand sanitizers got all the approvals and then shipped it uh, to to hospital networks across uh, across the West Michigan. And, you know, it's not something that we may or may not do it for commercial, but it's it's instances like that of our teams coming together to solve problems during this crisis, which has been um, a true blessing. Okay. Uh, what changes, this is a little more nuts and bolts, what changes in, in business approach are your reps in the field asking for from Amway as a result of the pandemic? Are, there, are they asking for different ways to engage with customers, for example? That's correct. Our, our 1 million entrepreneurs across the world, they've pivoted to, uh, to new ways of doing business. Essentially, their mantra is that online is the new offline. Uh, so they're building their business uh, uh, on social, we have partnerships with social networks. We have a partnership with Tencent on the WeChat platform in China. So we've activated that for our for our Amway business owners, our entrepreneurs to reach customers and do social selling to customers. We've just um, done a similar partnership with Kakao, Kakao Talk in, in Korea. So we are partnering with social platforms to offer our entrepreneurs um, the ability to connect with customers, and of course, we are investing in our own own abilities uh, to have a have an easy, frictionless shopping uh, for ABOs and their customers. Right, right. And speaking, I mean, the, you do have a very distributed workforce. How do you? You talk about uh, leading from the heart. How does how does a company with such a distributed workforce sort of reinforce corporate values all the way down the chain? What are the What are the challenges there, and how do you go about doing that? I think that still remains a challenge, Steve. Um, we've, uh, I think what we've dipped into is the reservoir of, of our culture and goodwill that has been built over the years. You know, we are a family 
family company and our, our values um, and, and, and in some sense our purpose is not something that's been written by um, you know, executives or consultants and put some piece of paper. It's something that's been a, a part, of the, part of the business for 60 years. So I think that's come up, come in good stead for us and we've kind of harnessed that and, and empowered people. The other thing what's happened is, is management has got democratized uh, through this process, you know, every person on a, on a Microsoft Teams or a Zoom call has an equal voice. And in some sense, because control and compliance is more difficult to do, that has led to empowering uh, those, especially who are in the markets and those who are closest to our Amway business owners and to do the right thing. Um, we have three cultural principles, Steve, um, live to serve, love to learn, and, and lead from the heart. And, and while these cultural principles were always good on a piece of paper, in some sense during this pandemic, you know, they've shown and people have got an opportunity to walk the talk on it. Right, right. Uh, just, to, just to wrap things up because you have time for one more question. What is the single most important leadership quality that you think is needed in this time and maybe in the near future? Well, I'm, I'm not sure if there is one single quality, um, but something that I've always, um, you know, stayed close to is, is, a, is, a, is a, you know, I'm, I'm very fond of reading Bill Gates, um, you know, twice a year uh, kind of recommendation on books. And this was maybe six or seven years back. He had a recommendation on Carol Dweck's uh, mindset, a growth mindset. And, and it's something that, you know, I personally, believe for me I'm a work in progress I continue to learn every day and I've got to remind myself to be in a growth mindset and not to be in a fixed mindset and that's something which you know our founders and Amway Rich and Jay were pioneers and and in Amway itself you know we we encourage everyone to have a founder's growth mindset I say that perhaps is the most important quality that I personally value and the other one is is lead from the heart uh, for all of us, you know, at times, um, and especially during times of stress and, and kind of conflict that are taking place now, we, we can't go into pride or fear. And I think we've got to remind ourselves and take help from each other to continue to be on a journey to lead with love and humility. Oh, thank you so much, Melinda. Yeah, Steve, thank you. Melin, thank you. Um, I'm going to remind our viewers and listeners to tune in a week from now. We're going to have Sidney Finkelstein, who's on the faculty of the Tuck School, the business school at Dartmouth. Uh, he's the author, listen to this title, everybody, of Why Smart Executives Fail. I think we all want to learn something about that. He's obviously thought a lot about the current circumstances as well. And Melinda, I gave you the heads up before we got going here that uh, we uh, practice a after action review here at the end. I'm going to offer a couple points. I've been taking notes that came from our discussion that I think, well, without question, transcend the discussion. And I hope will prove useful for people who've been viewing and listening to this particular uh, cast here. And then, if you wouldn't mind, we'll close with a couple of your own final takeaway points, if I can put it that way. So here are my three, then we'll turn to you, and then we'll uh, hear from you, and then thank you for being with us. Number one, you just said it a few minutes ago, but don't forget to lead with the heart along with the head. 
we're dealing with people, not automatons or robots. They have a heart, and it's vital for leading um, at any level, maybe especially from the very top. Number two, I like the phrase, listen and learn. We learn so much if we're in touch with the entrepreneurs who work with us from the customers who buy from us. And it's amazing if you've got a good ear, what you can acquire and bring in. Number three, relevant to especially the last several months, uh, employee safety is everything. And if we do that well, they will never forget. Their loyalty will be there for years to come. Lynn, what would you add? A couple of final points, and then we're going to close. Mike, I, I, you you summarized it so well. Um, I would just um, just just add a couple of ones. I'm reminded of a, a one of your books that I read uh, before I took on this role, which is uh, why why long term strategy is is the best uh, short term strategy. And I think during times like this, if we just got to remind ourselves. Uh, of that of that mantra, Mike, which you had uh, you had very well uh, captured in a book that you wrote. I think the next the other thing which I'll just just um, just mention is that I I personally consider myself uh, to continue to be work in progress. And as I was growing up uh, in India in during my teenage years, my father used to encourage me to listen to BBC Radio to learn English, which is not my first language. Or to read the the morning newspaper, which used to be the Times of India, and I frankly didn't do either of them well. Uh, but that stayed with me in my back of my head, and and today, you know, I, I read five to seven uh, newspapers online, you know, every day. I I I can't get through to my weekend without reading the the, the Friday's issue of the Economist, actually Thursday evening in the U.S. Um, and you know, I read as many books as I can, and you know. Amrita, my wife, believes that makes me a very boring person, but I just love to learn. And um, and this conversation today has been another opportunity for me to do that. So thank you, Mike, and, and thank you, Steve. All right, Milan, thank you very much. Really appreciate your taking the time to join us today. Uh, as is an increasingly widespread custom, even though we're not in the same room together, I'm going to ask everybody. We've got a lot of people uh, live with this, and then others uh, will we'll look back at this uh, once we uh, put it out there in an asynchronous way. I'd like everybody to join me. You're going to see me and not everybody else, but I can hear the applause. So, Malin, thank you very much for joining us. Thank we you. Really All right. Thank, there you, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Goodbye. So join us in one week. We'll be back. Thank you very much. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.